Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome. It's the WWL Food Show. Our favorite time of the day we get to talk about food and wine and cocktails and dining in and dining out and all the rest, recipes and everything else that makes us feel passionate and curious and always in need of more good food and good drink and good company, which uh, goes along with all of that, unless you're cooking for yourself, which I do a lot, which is actually a lot of fun. Another special food show edition coming to you from the WWL studios with... The Gourmet Cellist, it's Dan Lalchuk here, and I'm squeezing this in between a dress rehearsal over at the Orpheum and a concert with the symphony with the LPO Louisiana Philharmonic tonight and tomorrow and Saturday. So if you're around, uh, come say hi to me, will you? I'm uh, the guy in the back with the uh, green suit and the uh, long white beard. Uh, So you'll find me uh, kind of hanging around the back of the orchestra over on stage at the Orpheum. And meanwhile, here on the Food Show, we're going to be talking springtime cooking. It's getting hot out there. It's almost summer. We like to skip spring around here in New Orleans. Uh, But uh, it's a good time to be cooking, and there's a lot of great vegetables around. And uh, we're going to turn to an expert source of all things spring. And you know I always bring an Italian tinge to all the broadcasts that I do, and helping me tinge this broadcast with something Italian is a very special guest, uh, Professor at Dartmouth College, restaurant consultant everywhere from New York to Los Angeles, dear family friend of mine. It is Anna Minardi. Uh, You're most welcome to the food show. Hi, Dan. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, Nice to have you. So, I was looking through the records, and we usually have you on in the fall when we talk about the the cooler weather vegetables. We do a lot of squash and things like that. It's now getting warm uh, here. It's not quite warm where you are, but it will be soon. uh, Hopefully. hopefully. Yes, we are waiting for spring. We are not going to skip that this year. I hope. You're not going to skip spring, and and, uh, so we need to talk about springtime cooking. Also, Easter, you know, uh, you're Italian, you're from northern Italy, so Easter's a huge holiday uh, where you're from. So so talk to us a little bit about some of the traditions around Easter uh, that were happening in your kitchen. Well, 
Well, there's a lot of tradition um, that I recall from when I was younger. I think that one of the most interesting tradition for an American audience is the tradition of the day after Easter, that Monday after um, Sunday Easter, which is called Pasquetta, which in Italian literally means Little Pasqua. Now, uh, it's a spring celebration because, uh, of course, the schools are closed and the weather is usually nice and sunny, even in the north. So people take advantage of that long weekend to go uh, places and mostly do picnic. Um, So there's a lot of food that are easily portable and that do not spoil in eat. A lot of eggs, sort of uh, focaccia stuff um, with uh, Swiss chard ricotta and uh, boiled eggs. And, of course, because Easter comes after Lent, there's also a lot of meat and cold cuts, uh, salami, prosciutto, and that sort of celebration. So Pasquetta is the best um, day to celebrate spring, I think, because everybody's out and enjoying food. So that would be Easter Monday. Yes, exactly that. And the tradition uh, is uh, bringing boiled eggs. Uh, There's a traditional um, recipe from Liguria, which is nearby my region, so it transferred to Emilia-Romagna, which is called Torta Pasqualina which is a sort of a quiche, but is a cover quiche filled with ricotta cheese and Swiss chard. And you crack eggs in it that eventually get boiled when you bake that cake. Uh, So when you cut into that torta, you see the layer uh, of ricotta and spinach with um, eggs that get sliced, and it looks like a field with um, flowers because yes, the, the green. Yeah, uh, this is yes, something that's yes. made um, in a few parts of Italy, I believe, even in the uh, in the Neapolitan region. I've seen certain recipes of the the torta uh, of, yes. of Pasqua with these with the layers of eggs. And is it a um, a, a pastry dough or? Well, it varies from uh, region to region. In some region, is more like a quiche uh, dough with butter. In other uh, region, is called passamata, which is just flour and salt. And then you just put it on uh, um, a mold and you fill it. And when you bake it, it's a thin layer of bread-like dough that is sort of crispy while the filling is soft and tasty. Um, so that is one of the recipe that uh, is very typical all over Italy. So the idea of going to the park and taking a picnic and all the prepared foods uh, goes well with this dish because this is obviously a dish that would be good right out of the oven or also at room temperature. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And that is what most people do. They cook one day and with the sort of uh, portable leftover, they make that picnic and take everything on to the countryside, which can be just a park in a city setting. Sure, sure, sure. So the the idea of the the meats and the cheeses is um, is very apt for where you're from because for those who are not aware, uh, Anna Minardi comes from the city of Parma, which is the home of Parmesan cheese, first of all, and uh, prosciutto, prosciutto di of Parma. Course. The most famous prosciutto in the world is from Parma. Yes, yes. So prosciutto, salami, and uh, sometimes, and they talked about that uh, in one of uh, our uh, conferences. It's called torta fritta. Again, everything in Parma is called torta. <laughs> in this case, is a fried dough sort of bread that is cut into square and fried, deep fried, and that goes very well with cold cuts, namely prosciutto, culatello, and salami. Yes, and, so and that the, is another a very good uh, tradition or, uh, I mean, a good memory that I have about uh, the day after Easter. And the torta frita is really a, a savory uh, fried dough. Like, we get fried dough at the fair, but it's covered with sugar, so this is a savory version. Yes, and there's very little salt in the dough, but because it's served with cold cut, it serves like a bread that is, of course, uh, fried. And, well, everything is better when it's fried. <laughs> People in the city would agree, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the producer is nodding and, and cheering over there through the window. I, yeah, he's, he says, hell yeah, it's better when it's fried. <laughs> That's Ronald, who's a great producer here. So... Um, the uh, the making of the torta frita, which is this fried dough, is actually pretty simple, right? It's very simple because it's just water and flour. Uh, well, in Italy we use double zero flour, uh, flour, the, the flour yeah. uh, most of the time, and uh, just a pinch of salt. So you work that dough until the gluten is developed uh, and cut it. And um, with a pasta machine, sort of make your uh, stripe and cut them into square. It looks um, a lot like beignet, but like of course beignet. those yeah, are sure. sweet. Yes. Um, and as soon as it hits the oil, it uh, comes to the surface, and when it's golden brown, is ready to go. Most of the time, straight into your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of my favorite things to do with the hot torta fritta, which is Italian for, for fried dough, is to, is to put a very thin slice of prosciutto uh, right on it so the fat in the prosciutto gets a little melted. Melts and, immediately. Yeah, it melts yes, immediately. Yes. And it's unbelievable because these pieces of fried dough, which you cut into squares or even rectangles, I've seen actually, Yes, yeah. Or uh, they become air-filled and very puffy and uh, totally light. You can eat a million without even knowing it. Exactly. That is the risk. <laughs> That's the risk. So so we, we do these uh, fried dough. We'll call them the, the torta frita. Um, we have that covered. We have the, the torta di, di Pasqua 
this this yes. delicious uh, sort of cake uh, with uh, ricotta and some kind of a green, a Swiss chard, and, and the boiled eggs. Um, yes. Now, what about in terms of uh, moving away from Easter, in terms of light uh, spring pastas? Because I know that you uh, are an expert in fresh pasta making. I'm an expert on pasta, but I thought about something lighter. And recently, with a group of friends, I was making gnocchi, which is, of course, potatoes. And it's not a very springy sort of meal, potato. We eat potatoes all winter long. Sure, sure. But I came up with an idea, which is not, of course, original. We make this in Italy uh, all the time. And it's actually very similar to the fill pasta, but it's just the filling, which is, uh, you know, ricotta cheese and either Swiss chard or spinach. And those little dumplings are dropped in water, and Ah, they're called nudie. Ah, and Uh, I I see this on menus. Yeah, naked. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they are naked ravioli because, of course, the layer of pasta is gone. And what is left is just the inside that is very light. uh, You can make those uh, with any sort of filling, but I think that um, ricotta and uh, Swiss chard, again, is very traditional in my area. You mix that with uh, Parmesan cheese, of course, just a touch of flowers so they hold their shape and you cut them exactly like gnocchi two minutes in uh, boiling salted water and for the spring people would add some saute vegetable mostly peas and of course in Parma the um, prefer condiment is butter not olive oil butter yeah. a good sprinkle of parmesan cheese now could you could you uh, mention to the audience because i think this is fascinating why the the prevalence of butter uh, and cream in your region which is in the north in italy uh, versus the prevalence of olive oil which sort of takes over starting uh, rome and southwards yes well right across the apennines in Tuscany, there's a great tradition of olive oil produce, production. In the northern Italy, we have very small uh, production that are concentrated around the lakes, mainly Lago di Garda. Again, because the climate uh, allowed the olive tree to bloom. Emilia-Romagna is a great region and is the food valley, of course, but the climate is more suitable for cows and pigs. <laughs> it's very <laughs> humid as uh, New Orleans, much colder in the winter, but very hot and humid, humid in the summer. That's right. And, and it's near, the, it's near the, for all, all the people who are wondering, who are listening, it's, it's pretty near where, where you're from to Cremona, which is the home of the, the great uh, maker Stradivari and some of the Absolutely. other makers of, of stringed instruments who make the famous violins of the 18th century. Uh, how far is Cremona from Parma? It's about 25 kilometers, so Nothing. it's very close. It's um, 15 miles uh, or less, um, and it's pretty much the same climate, uh, indeed. Uh, we are very close, though 
uh, going to Cremona, you cross into another region, which is Lombardy, pretty, pretty much that area close to the Po River, uh, has the same uh, uh, climate as, I would say, New Orleans, except th- that we don't have uh, the ocean <laughs> that it close. Does. Yeah, although we don't have, uh, if it's funny, you, you look on a map, you think, oh, there must be such wonderful beaches in New Orleans. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> there are not. Uh, we, we have to go to uh, uh, Mississippi coast or, or right. Alabama or, or even the, the panhandle of Florida. Uh, around Pensacola, they have the white beaches. Uh, but... Um, on Minority, if you will hold uh, through, we have to take a quick commercial break because it's commercial radio after all. And if you hold through, we want to keep talking to you because there's a lot to cover. Absolutely. I'll be here then. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. It's the Gourmet Cellist on WWL Talking Spring Cook in New Orleans. It's the Gourmet Cellist, Dan Lelchuk here. And we're going straight back to the phones. We're expert authority on the cooking of northern Italy, particularly the region of Emilia-Romagna, which is where Parma and Bologna and uh, all of those other great food locales are situated. It's Anna Minardi, professor at Dartmouth College and restaurant consultant everywhere from New York to Los Angeles, and she's gracing us with her expertise. Welcome back. Thank you, Dan. Now, I have to tell you something that uh, came to my mind during this commercial break, because you mentioned Cremona and you mentioned Stradivari. And I thought about the menu that I just presented to you, and I felt that it was a bit heavy on cheese and butter and fry food. So I thought about a vegetable that we could add to our picnic. Sure. Tell us about it. And I have a little story that might or might not relate to Stradivarius. Uh, is more a legend than a reality. Anyway, spring comes also in Emilia-Romagna. And uh, going back to the banks of that river, the Po River, uh, people uh, lived there uh, and they were kind of struggling and they were poor. Uh, most of them were sharecroppers, including my um, great-grandparents. Anyhow, um, at that point, the field uh, didn't offer a lot of fresh vegetable, but what was um, prevalent on the bank of the river was a sort of a chicory that grew there spontaneously. That, in uh, my area, is called Asprella. Now, aspro means bitter in English. And it's like chicory. It's not a sweet vegetable. And it's pungent. And you have to um, collect it when it's uh, very young. Otherwise, it becomes sort of uh, rough and ligneous. Anyway, one of the dishes that accompany the Easter meals are sauté chicory, I would say. And in that case, you would use olive oil and actually a little bit of vinegar that seems counterintuitive since the herb is already bitter, but it actually tame that uh, sharp bitterness and add that sort of uh, aroma that is vinegar. So I wanted to mention that because the legend 
those that Stradivarius use that chicory to sand his violin and wow. to make that beautiful color. Of course, we want to believe that that is true. It's unbelievable. That is an unbelievable story. So, so it, it was um, uh, native to the region and been around for a long time, I take it. Absolutely, and it's still um, uh, available. Nobody really um, eats it anymore. Um, uh, I think that in uh, Rome they have something similar that is called puntarelle. I don't know if botanically is the same uh, uh, species, um, but uh, that uh, I could compare it more likely to ch- uh, chicory than anything else I know in English, at least. Yes, which is a uh, common addition to the old-style coffee in New Orleans is the yes. the ground chicory root added to supplement uh, the coffee, which I, I take occasionally uh, at the old style coffee shops, which has a, a quite a bit of flavor, it makes it makes a very dark, strong coffee. It's quite interesting, actually, the chicory edition. Yes, and I actually got to like that coffee very much uh, because it reminds me the old-fashioned coffee that we used to drink in Italy in the old caffettiera, the coffee uh, maker that you put on the stove and let boil up. Of course, yeah, that's, uh, so that, that's the, nice, um, the silver reminder pot, of yes. that old taste. Yes, yes, yes. That's uh, I tend to prefer the the traditional uh, Italian preparation of coffee, but. Occasionally, I do take it with the chicory, and it can be good. Uh, it, it can be good. It really can be. Yes, yeah. So I think I'm, I have almost exhausted all my spring recipe. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I will take <laughs> any question you might have. Now, now, what what is, um, if you had to talk about one of your favorite go-to vegetable pastas, let's say you having over a group of people, and oh, someone's a vegetarian, no, not a vegan, no problem, just a vegetarian. Uh, I, I know that you're very much like this pepper pasta, for example. Uh, but what, what is, what's coming in now? I mean, can, what can we do with greens, uh, with, with pasta? We can mix them, yeah? Absolutely. I mean, what is known here as pasta primavera means spring pasta. Uh, and again, um, Italians are very resourceful uh, in that they use uh, what's available in the kitchen. Uh, but in spring, finally, you start seeing some colors. So um, peppers, uh, peas, uh, green beans, lightly saute and add it to your pasta would make a very bright and tasty pasta without a lot of ingredient. And you can feed a lot of people, vegetarian or not, with a good sprinkle of Parmesan cheese that would complete complete any dish, I'd say. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and I, that, I think, is uh, the to-go dish for when you have not much at home, but you can uh, still make up a pasta with what you have in your pantry and your refrigerator. Absolutely, and uh, we we do sometimes when we uh, make dinners. Uh, you and I, we we do grilling, and uh, everybody yes. everybody in the New Orleans area has a a grill, uh, mainly charcoal, which uh, I tend to like, as it can get very hot. Um, but uh, one of the things I like to do is um, is butterfly a chicken, 
and grill it. Uh, do, do you have any? Uh, what What would you do with that? Would you do salt or or some kind of spices or uh, any black pepper? Or is, I mean, the, the sea. Tell us about the seasonings of Parma, one of the great food cities of the world. Well, the seasoning uh, for chicken is a very classic seasoning, which is uh, rosemary and sage, salt and pepper, and what you call a butterfly chicken, we call polo al mattone, because indeed the chicken is butterfly, but put a brick on top of the chicken to keep it down and flat on the grill so it would cook evenly. So the matone means brick, is that right? Yes, a brick. Now, I would suggest to wrap that brick in a piece of aluminum foil. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, back in the days, I think they just used whatever was available. So polo al matone means brick chicken because the brick was used to keep the chicken down on the grill and as flat as possible so it would cook evenly and uh, rosemary sage salt and pepper just a brush of olive oil and that would be ready to go and then do you uh, pour on a little more olive oil when it comes off the grill do you, I, I've, I've heard some people do that or or if you have really good olive oil, you could do that as well, you think, or it doesn't need? If you have very good olive oil, why not? Uh, usually the chicken is moist enough and it doesn't need any extra fat. I would save your good olive oil for a good slice of uh, country bread or your fresh vegetables. That, that sounds terrific. And uh, and uh, be- before we let you go, uh, one of the things I, I always do with people is is say to them, if you could just uh, forget about calories or fat or butter or anything and and describe one of your favorite meals that you've ever had, uh, what would that be? Because I can name a lot that I've had with you that are wonderful. Um, what would I, I'm thinking particularly of the of the bacala, which is the the, the deep fried oh, yes, salt cod. Oh yes, that is one of my favorite. And also the the polenta tirana. If if we're, I know it's 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 still a little cool at night here. So tell tell us about that polenta uh, before we let you go because it's so rich and unique. I never had anything like it. Well, uh, is a polenta. So everybody knows how to make polenta. Uh, is cornmeal and boiling water. Now. There's also all sorts of instant polenta that I don't dislike in case you're in a rush. But in this case, I would prefer um, um, long cooking polenta. Now, know that a polenta, good uh, polenta, needs to cook for at least 40 minutes. It takes longer. The cornmeal is uh, rough and it needs to be completely cooked. Otherwise, the day after might, you know, create some problem in your belly because it keeps exploding into you. <laughs> so a good polenta. So keep stirring um, and stir a lot, right? I'm stirring constantly, though if it makes that little crust around the edges on the pot, is even better because it acquires that toasty flavor. My grandfather in the mountains used to make that polenta on an open fire. 
And that is uh, the smell I would never forget and I could never recreate here on my stovetop. Wow, so he made it over the open fire in, in, the, yes. in the living room? Or, or, or? Uh, well, yes, they had a fireplace uh, in the kitchen, uh, dining room. But uh, do not imagine one of those closed fireplaces was more open and it had a chain coming down from the chimney where he had a big pot of boiling water. That was a constant on that fireplace. And occasionally, if not every other day, he would make polenta, which was their bread, their daily bread, beside regular bread. So that is what you would make and would stir the polenta with a long, not even a wooden spoon, was more a wooden stick. <laughs> so he was a bit separate from the flame, fortunately. Yes, sure, so. sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> he, Let so the wooden could, stick be subject uh, to the constantly <laughs> 40 minutes and uh, uh, you have your smoky polenta. Wow. And and then to make it the, the tirania, you you mix in certain cheeses and they melt into it and, and quantities of butter that are enormous. Toward the end, you add as much cheese as you can or as you have available. And of course, cheeses are very regional everywhere, especially in Italy. Um most people like on that dish some sort of blue cheese or gorgonzola that is a softer kind of blue cheese. And then when you put that polenta with all the melted cheeses into a container and you serve it on the table, you finish it off with browned butter and a lot of it. <laughs> and a lot of it. And uh, I... I think that's that's a good place to leave it because I, my mouth is salivating and I'm going to try <laughs> at the break to go find some right now in the studio. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I, 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 I probably won't be successful. Now, Professor Anna Minardi, Dartmouth College restaurant consultant, expert of all food Italian, particularly the North, and one of the great people I know. We thank you so much for having joined us live on WWL The Food Show. Goodbye and thank you very much. To the rest of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. There she goes, Anna Minardi, and uh, the phone lines remain open. To everybody listening, 504-260-6368. 504-260-6368. Give me a call, will you, and talk to me about everything having to do with spring cooking and Easter. We'll be right back. It's Dan Lelchuk. The and welcome back to The Food Show, WWLHD2 Radio New Orleans. It's Dan Lelchuk, the gourmet cellist. I really am. Both. A cellist and an aspiring gourmet is how I describe myself. Why don't you give me a call? Uh, 260-6368. It's so easy to do. 504 is the area code. 260-6368. 6368. That spells out menu. We'd love to talk to you about anything at all having to do with food, particularly Easter cooking and springtime cooking. It is that time of year. There's a lot of great vegetables coming up, and I'd love to hear what you do for Easter, if anything. Maybe you do nothing. I don't do much, but maybe you do. Uh, we had a great conversation before with Professor Anna Minority of Dartmouth College about her family traditions in northern Italy, and this is something that 
we need to preserve because generation to generation, we are forgetting what people before us did in the kitchen. And these traditions have to be preserved or else we will all become the same, like robots. We're now going to the phone lines where someone is here. I'm not sure who, but uh, welcome to the food show. Who are you? Hey, Steve. Steve, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing well and yourself. I'm doing good. Two questions. Well, one question about two restaurants. Maybe you have some ideas on them. Sure. The, the first is a sandwich shop called Angie's, perhaps on Tulane Avenue. And the second, I have no idea. A friend of mine has suggested it. It's called Piece of Meat. And he indicated that maybe it was in the French Quarter. Any idea on either of those two? Okay, Angie's, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm familiar with Angie's. Uh, is, it, is it a sub-place or...? No, it, it more or less seems like a New Orleans poor boy shop. Uh, certainly not a Subway or any of the chain-type places. I, I'm not sure I know Angie's, to be honest. I'm, uh, I, I, I can do some digging if you hold on a second. But Piece of Meat, I do know. And uh, it's in Mid-City, and it is terrific. Okay. It is really great. It's, it's picture half a butcher like an old-style butcher where you go in and get okay. the meat. In fact, for my holiday party, I got a 20-pound brisket from there. Oh, um, goodness. <laughs> it was unbelievable. So, so was the bill, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and, the, so they have a, and they house-cure a lot of meats. Okay. And it's a really great place. And then the other half of it is basically a sandwich shop. And uh, it, a piece of meat is... Um, the kind of place where you go in front and they have a huge smoker and they're doing, you know, 30 pounds of whatever on the smoker. And then they bring it inside and put it on a sandwich for you. And you can eat there. They have um, a big counter. They have tables, great drinks. I, got, I went for brunch once and mm -hmm. uh, the, the drinks there, uh, you know, assuming you take an Uber, <laughs> are, are great, there you go. are really good. L let me tell you where it is. Um, it's, uh, I know it's in... Mid-City, I can't remember the street. It's on Bienville Street, okay. 3301, which is at the corner of Bienville. And let's see, it's just it's a, basically a block off Jeff Davis Parkway. Gotcha. Um, and it, uh, that, I can attest to, I've been a few times, and that place is really good. Sounds like a first cousin to maybe Kushan Butcher. Yeah, you know what? It, it, they do have something in, in common. I, I, this may be blasphemous to say, but I... I would probably go to piece of meat even over the butcher because it's it's mm -hmm. I, I I like the the neighborhood there and and it's it's a little more laid back uh, and you know the Koshan butcher is always just packed oh it's a zoo lined out the door always yeah there's a lot go to piece of meat that's one of my favorite places and what is, what are their hours maybe for a Saturday are they open for lunch do you know I think they're open all day it's like eleven to okay. seven something like that great. I'm pretty sure. Go there and call back, and I'll, I'll be on uh, tomorrow and Monday, so call back and tell me how it was. We'll be going on Saturday, and I'll certainly call into the show on Monday and let you know of our experience. Sounds good. See you, Steve. Thank you, Daniel. Take it easy. Take and care. Uh, the food show moves along, 504-260-6368. We move along to Greg, who is here. Welcome, Greg. Hey, Daniel, how are you today? I'm good. You? Doing well, thank you. I wanted to ask you about Whole Foods 
fish. Have you ever gotten any seafood from Whole Foods? Oh, yeah, all the time. Any, would you recommend? I mean, I know the local, the local shops, of course, but what would you say from a, you know, because uh, I go, you know, do other shopping in there, and I've always wondered about their trout and seafood and other fish. Uh, pretty good stuff. I tell you this, the... Uh the selection there is really good. Part of what I like is that if you're if you're going for a whole fish, first of all, it's great because they ha- you you see them right there on ice, and you can do a kind of really close up evaluation of the fish. <laughs> and, right. And and there, I do even if I'm not buying a whole fish that day, I do and I, I just do a little inspection. And uh, these fish look really darn fresh. I have to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, just wondered about that because, like I said, you can you know a lot of people go shopping there, but I never really thought about their you know I know their barbecue is pretty good too, but oh god, the barbecue really is unbelievable. <laughs> I know it really is. It's unbelievable. I know that some of the local the local places in town have really have picked up in recent years that we've had some good barbecue down in the city, but Whole Foods for being a, a you know national supermarket, they they really do a, a great job with their uh, their uh, barbecue. Yeah, and you know, Greg, the, the thing is, I, I know it's really popular to hate on Whole Foods. Um, but 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 the fact is that the barbecue they do is unbelievable. The quality of of the fish is is excellent. I buy a, a lot of times they have a rainbow trout, which are different from the trout here. They they get them from Idaho. Uh, oh wow, I didn't know that. They have that regularly? Nah, semi regularly. I mean, you know, okay. one one every three times they'll have it. One every four times. But those I love those those really silvery rainbow trout, and I do yeah. it in a grenoblaze or just you know capers and butter. Um, and that that's great, but I've never had, no, I have, okay, I'll be honest, I have one time gotten a piece of fish that, it's not that it was bad, it was, uh, it had been previously frozen, and I didn't read the label well enough, it is labeled, and it was a, a Chilean sea bass, I did not like it at all, but that was only one time. Yeah, okay, um, well, so, uh, good to know. what yeah, about you, any, any, any restaurants coming Go up ahead. soon, or any cooking, uh, happening yes. now? Yes, I'd like to go to, I have not been to Seaworthy, and I'm going to have to go check that out. You know, that's one of my favorite um, places. That place I've is heard, yeah, it's unbelievable. I've heard you talk about it, and um, I'd like to get back to Wayfair on Ferret Street. Have you been? I've never been there. I hear good things about it. It's a little outside of my geographical zone. I like to yeah. go places where I can walk, and I live downtown, so... I mean, I walk a mile and a half or something, but but Wayfair is kind of <laughs> kind of far, but is it good? Yeah. It it really is for we went for a brunch so I would definitely I've not been for you know a dinner or anything like that very good and I want to get back to a chapalaya. Oh yeah, I've only been there once. I've only been there once a couple of years ago, but it was really good. I know. I never think about it. They've kind of forgotten, and they're not too bad as far as location goes. I think they're off Louisiana Avenue, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're on a what between uh are they on magazines or they're a few blocks off of? I think it's a few blocks off. Yeah, a few blocks towards the river uh, from Magazine Street, right? Yeah, there's so many. Maypop, I haven't been yet. I, I need to go try That's that. That's a great place. Uh, That's really good. Different. Yeah. Different. Oh, yeah. Know, great flavors. Yeah. So there's a lot out there, so I need to I need to get moving. <laughs> you got to get moving. You're, you're going to run out of time. <laughs> I know. You're right. Hey, great great chatting with you, Daniel. You have a good one. You too. See you. And uh, there okay, goes Greg. It is the food show. WWL Radio HD2. Uh, give us a call. Busy show as usual uh, when I'm here. It's 260-6368. 504-260-6368. Here's what we're looking for. What you're cooking for spring, what you're cooking for Easter, what restaurants you've been to recently, and what do you want to know about recipes or restaurants? I think that applies to every single person listening. You must have 
some question or some comment related to one of those four subjects. So call and talk to me, 260-6368. And uh, we were talking before about the uh, idea of traditions, and some traditions are terrible and we want to let them go, and others are really good and we want to hold on to them. And one of the things that I, I really like to hold on to is the, the tradition that comes from the kitchen. Uh, I grew up in a, a great food atmosphere, mainly Italian, actually. Uh, big gardens in the back, big vegetable gardens, lots of fresh vegetables all the time. My mom uh, is a great cook. Uh, one of the dishes she made a lot, actually, uh, I roast chicken every week, for, for sure, kind of in the Italian style with rosemary, you know, oregano, uh, lemon, a lot of salt, black pepper, olive oil. To me, it doesn't get any better than that in terms of seasoning for chicken. But one of her trademarks and a dish that I always love is the pepper pasta, uh, which is basically what it sounds like. And we will report on detail on the pepper pasta after a brief commercial message on WWL HD2 New Orleans. It's Dan Leltick, the Gourmet Cellist. Give me a call. You only have 10 minutes left. 260-6368, 504-260-6368. Back in a flash. And welcome back to the food show. It's Dan Leltrick, the gourmet cellist here. Uh, there's a violin in the background. Yeah, can we leave the music on for a little bit, will you? Yeah, it's a great, it's Stefan Grappelli. We always like that violin there. Uh, I like violin even though I play the cello. I'm more than happy to hear this because this guy's great. You know, people say to me all the time, they go, Hey, Lelchuk, what kind of music you like? I said, I like it all. I like it all. Genre doesn't matter. Delete that word from your vocabulary. Genre doesn't matter. Just like with food. If it's good, it's the only thing that matters. Anyway, call me, will you? 504-260-6368. 260-6368. And those numbers spell the word menu. M-E-N-U. Go figure. It just happened by coincidence. A few minutes left in this hour. Next hour, we're having another special guest. I always come with special guests. Uh, not that I wouldn't be good enough by myself, but we like to make it a real party when I'm here. So call me and talk to me. It's 260-6368. We've had a busy show talking about Easter traditions of northern Italy. Uh, then we, we touched on a few sandwich shops in the New Orleans area. I wanted to mention a, uh, a dish that I like a lot. If I want to make a pasta dish, and I have a uh, group of vegetarians around now, of course, pasta isn't in the, uh, the diet fad right now. But do it once in a while. It's a pepper pasta. You cut into thin strips all different varieties of peppers. I tend to stay away from the green. I don't find the flavors rich. Half an onion. Three cloves of garlic. Low olive oil medium-high heat. You let it cook for about, well, I'd say as long as it takes for the water to boil. Minimum four quarts. Rolling, boiling water. Boiling like hell with a lot of salt. It should be really as salty as the sea. Uh, cook the pasta. Drain it. Not too well. We want a little of that pasta water 
to be amalgamated with all the richness from the vegetables and the olive oil to make a real coating. Move the pasta from the colander in the sink straight into the big pan where you've been sautéing the vegetables. Toss it vigorously, very vigorously, VV for short, into a bowl, big serving bowl, lots of Parmesan cheese on top, maybe a basil leaf if you're really going to go to town. And to me, that's a wonderful, uh, fairly light, uh, but rich in flavor. You could serve it as a first course to like a grilled bone and ribeye, which I've been doing a lot lately, uh, to a roast chicken. Or you could serve it as an entree if you have something beforehand that you can serve, uh, such as a a radicchio or a Swiss chard saute, by the way, both of which would be very good over pasta themselves and which uh, a lot of my friends in Italy do all the time, uh, which is greens. I do crushed red peppers sometimes if I have it on hand, a dried whole chili pepper cooked right in the greens, and I put that all over top. Very hot pasta. You toss it like crazy. There's another dish. The variations are endless, uh, as is our curiosity in this town for food and flavor. So if you have a flavor comment, why don't you pick up the phone and call me? I mean, none of my friends call me, so at least you could. <laughs> it's five. Oh, I'm serious. I'm kidding. It's 504-260-6368. The producer, Ronald, he's getting the kick out of that. He's getting a real kick. You have my number. You can call me, man. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> 504-260-6368. It is the world famous food show on the world famous WWL radio, and it's uh, the gourmet cellist here, Dan Lelchuk. I came all the way down here from where I live, which is uh, about a fifteen-minute walk, which for this town is a serious walk. And I came all the way down here to talk to you on the phone, and you won't even call. So if you won't, I'll tell you about a dish I really like, egg and rice soup. Sound good? Does to me. It comes from the region of Lombardy in northern Italy. This is a region that uh, Anna Minardi alluded to earlier, and this is a soup that's based off of leeks and Swiss chard. And if that doesn't sound good to you, then... uh, I'll see you in the back alley after this show, and we can duke it out. We'll talk about it at the top of the next hour. Meanwhile, I want you to keep in mind, if you grew up eating good food, think about what you made and what your mom or your dad or grandma or Aunt Sue or whoever else made, and try to reproduce it. And if you can get in touch with them, that would be even better because we can't forget the good things from our childhood that came out of the kitchen. Now, if you had bad food growing up, forget it all. Forget it all and move on to the good stuff. But if you have good food in your recollection, I want you to try to recreate it. What's the worst that can happen? You go into the kitchen, and you end up with an abominable dish, and you throw it out or you give it to uh, Charlie, a next-door neighbor who you don't like. No big deal. We got a lot more food show for you very soon. As soon as the music starts, uh, we'll be out. 
and then you'll call me next hour, 260-6368, 504-260-6368. There it is. It's David Rose. It's the Gourmet Cellist here. Dan Lelchuk, talk to you soon, 260-6368. This is WWL HD2, online, HD Radio, 105.3 FM HD2. Stay tuned for the news and more food show. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.